Well, welcome Hope Church family to our exclusively online service. If you are watching this live on Sunday, I hope you and your family had an amazing Christmas. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really excited just to dive in to God's word with you uh, for this online service. I don't know about you, but one of the most frustrating experiences, I think, of, of being a human being is this idea of waiting, Right, We all hate waiting. It doesn't matter what culture, what country, what language. I haven't met anybody that really enjoys waiting. As human beings, whether it's at the DMV or it's on hold, on a call, whatever it may be, we are impatient and we don't like to wait. I, I mess with my kids sometimes. I don't know if fathers mess with their kids. I do. My wife and I have four kids. And, and sometimes I'll mess with my kids and kind of to show them that we're impatient people. And I'll say something like this. I'll say, hey, I'll give you $50 right now. Like right now, I'll give you $50. You can do whatever you want with it. Or you have to wait a year and I'll take you to Disneyland. And if they ever did that, by the way, I would take them to Disneyland. But I, always, it's like, give me $50 right now, right? I know they're little and we're way more patient and sophisticated than that. But we all are like that. Why? Because with the $50, tomorrow they can buy that new Lego set. They can buy those new princess outfits, whatever it is. Disneyland, a year from now, seems so far away. Now, we know... Disneyland, especially you parents who have paid for your kids to go to Disneyland, way outweighs a $50 investment. But we hate to wait. 2020 has been a season where we are waiting for everything to be over, everything to be back to normal, whether it was 14 days to stop the spread that have become a little bit more than 14 days, or we're just going to wait till the election's over, or wait till there's a vaccine, or whatever it is, it's kind of been a season and a year of waiting. Christmas is another example that I love. This is, this is a kind of waiting that we actually enjoy, right? Whether you are before Thanksgiving type person or after Thanksgiving, we start busting out the decorations. We are all gearing up towards December 25th in this Christmas season. So we invite people to our house, maybe from out of town, and we have parties and ugly sweater gift exchanges, and we do all this, why? In a season of anticipation for Christmas, my family and I, one of the things I love every single year my wife and I do on December 1st, we start 24 straight days of, of Advent activities or Christmas activities of community and serving and just being together all for the purpose of waiting for Christmas. As Christians, we celebrate what we just celebrated at Hope over six services, the idea that God came to earth in a baby and we waited, people waited hundreds and thousands of years for Emmanuel, God, with us. And he came. And every single year on December 25th, we celebrate that. And then it's over. I don't know about you, but every year on December 26th, it's kind of a depressing year, right? Today we're watching this. If you're watching this live, it's December 27th and Christmas is over. Maybe you've already taken down your decorations. Maybe you are looking towards the new year and, and, and whatever it might be. But for us, we are like, man, it's over. All the waiting, all the anticipation. And now we wait again for Christmas to come and be encouraged. 363 more days, Christmas will be back. Just like that, all the waiting and it's gone. This real, actual day that we celebrate Jesus coming to earth. But did you know, as Christians, we look forward to another coming of Jesus. In fact, people have been waiting. We as Christians have been waiting for this day for over 2,000 years. It's what the Bible calls the second coming of Jesus. And that is what we, in this short message, are going to talk about 
today. Think about it. As much as we got ready and we get ready to celebrate Christmas, Jesus' first coming, God with us in the form of Jesus Christ at Christmas, the Bible says with as much certainty as we can have that Christmas is going to come every year, we can be that certain that Jesus is returning. Let's be honest. If you're like me, you hear of these things and you hear about Jesus coming back and and we see a lot of depictions and honestly a lot of exaggerated images or maybe scary images of what Jesus' return will be like. But here's where I want you to to, to settle in today. As, 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 As honest we can be about Christmas coming, as sure and confident as we can be about Christmas Day coming each year and we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, we as Christians can be that confident and look forward to the day. We don't know it yet. We know December 25th, we celebrate Jesus's first coming. We don't know the day. Only the Father knows the day that Jesus will return. We can have confidence in that. Maybe you're not quite there yet, but we're gonna look at a passage of scripture today that I hope will encourage you that Jesus will return. The baby of Christmas that we just celebrated is the king of the universe, and he is coming back to rule and to reign over all of his creation. So I want to look at a few verses of scripture here in our time together online today. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a book of the Bible that Paul wrote to a church in the city of Thessalonica, and it is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So if you have your app or or device, you're sitting there with your family, or maybe you have a physical Bible, I encourage you, open it up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to read three verses, verse 16, 17, and 18. Here's what God's word says in 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And we're about to read some stuff that maybe you've never heard, so we're going to dive in. Don't worry. Here's what it says in the end of verse 16. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus will return for his church. Again, this isn't a hope so. This isn't a maybe. I love how verse 16 starts out there. It says, the Lord himself. This is really cool if you're a student of the Bible because a lot of times Jesus sends an angel or maybe a prophet to speak for him. And it's still authoritative. It's still from God. But I love in verse 16 of chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, it says the Lord himself will appear. The point here is not to get caught up in all the details, right? We can, if you're listening to this and you know, uh, you know of some, some end times things, you might get caught up in all it. How is it going to happen? The point is, brothers and sisters in Christ have argued for years and years and years about the how of Jesus' second coming. What I want us to focus on here at Hope Church today is not about the how he comes, but the fact that who is coming, and that's Jesus. We don't want to focus on the how, we want to focus on the who. Jesus Christ himself will return for his church. Again, we can get so caught up and distracted, honestly. I, I've seen a lot of people that I love and know that get really distracted on all the ins and outs. And is this pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, when's the millennium, when's all this? And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't even worry about it. Here's the bottom line. Jesus Christ wins. There's no runoff election of the king of the universe. There's no recount. Jesus wins and he will return to rule and reign over his creation. Jesus will return. At the end of this passage, Paul says, 
comfort one another with these words. So that's what I want to do in our quick time together today. I want to look at a couple things that we should be encouraged with and comforted out of this passage, out of the fact that Jesus will return. The first thing I want to see is there in verse 16. It says, the dead will be raised. And maybe you read that and that's one of those times you just kind of just brush by it because you're like, I'm not really sure what that means. So I want to dive into that today. The reality is all of us have been impacted by the death of someone we love. No matter who's watching this right now, somebody you love, somebody you know, you've, you've walked through the tragedy, the, the, the effects of sin on our world is death and the reality of death. For me, this just happened last month. Kind of out of nowhere, my, my grandmother, my amazing, awesome grandma, Barbara Ranke, she, she was sick, but we didn't really realize how serious it got until on Thanksgiving Day. I got a phone call none of us like to get. On Thanksgiving evening, I got a call that my grandmother went home to be with Jesus. And we celebrated her life a couple weeks later in a funeral service. And it was sad because we are mourning this reality of death. As a pastor, one of the things, part, parts of the role that, that aren't always so great is walking with families through this incredibly hard season of death of a loved one. And so what is Paul talking about here when he says that the dead in Christ will rise first? Maybe you're asking that question. Well, I thought the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what does it mean when it said that they will rise? Have they not already risen? Well, here's the reality. When my grandmother passed away, she was a Jesus follower. We got to talk about the Lord. I got to pray with her. I knew towards the end of her life, she gave her life to Jesus. And, I, and, and the reality is when she died on Thanksgiving evening in that hospital bed, her soul went to be with Jesus. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. A couple weeks later, I stood at a graveside and there was a coffin. And I know the body that used to belong to my grandmother was in that coffin. Well, here's what we know. And again, I don't understand all the ins and outs of this. And honestly, sometimes scratch my head at the reality of this. But when Jesus comes back, when the clouds bust open, like this says in 1 Thessalonians 4, and Jesus comes back, the Bible says that those who have died, who are already with him as followers of Jesus, their souls are with him. And again, this is about to get weird. Their bodies will rise out of the grave. Now you're thinking, that sounds like some walking dead type stuff. I can't really explain it. But the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise, and then we who are alive. So if Jesus comes back before the end of this message, we are going to be caught up together with them and spend forever with Jesus. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking, what did you just say? Again, we can focus so much on ins and outs, but here's the bottom line. Jesus is coming back with authority. Jesus is coming back, as this verse says, with a shout the shout of the archangel, he is coming back, not as the meager little baby who, who sometimes we paint this picture of this meek and mild Jesus. This is the one who's coming back with authority to say, I'm the king, I'm the boss, and I'm taking my people with me to rule and to reign forever. Jesus is coming back. The dead will be raised. But here's the second truth I want to focus on together today. Not only will the dead be raised, but we will all be with Jesus. Again, I know that kind of goes without saying, but we will all be with Jesus forever. When my grandma passed away, we got to have some really cool conversations with my kids. Because anytime someone that they love goes to be with Jesus, we get to have this, this conversation about the reality of heaven. 
And you know if you have kids, when you start talking about heaven, the kids start talking about like everything they're going to have in heaven, how big their house is going to be, the streets of gold, all the stuff they can have. But it gave us an opportunity to, to really let them know and, and to have fun with that for sure, but to really encourage them with the reality that the only reason heaven is heaven is because Jesus is there. The only reason heaven is heaven is because when you think about heaven, this is just for bonus, if you think about heaven and you want to think about all the stuff and Jesus isn't a part of that, I want to remind you, heaven is about Jesus. The fact that Jesus is there, the fact that we will be with him makes it heaven. The Bible says in this passage that the dead will rise. The Bible says in this passage that we will all be with Jesus forever. And here's a bonus that, that I love, especially coming out of the year we've had this year. The Bible says very clearly that all the struggles and all the strife of this present world will be gone. Like that's like a place, I don't know where you're sitting right now and maybe you're not the vocal type, but that's a place you just want to say amen because we've gotten some struggle and some strife in one year, let alone thousands of years in this hard world where sin has corrupted everything that we know. In heaven with Jesus, there will be no more sin, no more strife. It will all be done away with. There's a passage of scripture that I love that kind of talks about this in 1 Corinthians. Again, another letter from the Apostle Paul to a church. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 51 and 53. It'll be on the screen. Here's what it says. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will, all, we will not all die, but we will all be transformed. This is talking about the people that, 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 want, that will be caught up in the air with him as it talked about when Jesus comes back. It will happen in a moment, in a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. He's saying the same thing he was saying to the Thessalonians. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Here it is. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies that aren't plagued by disease, that aren't plagued with sin, that aren't in hospital beds, that aren't needing all the medications and things to help the body survive. That is what it looks like to be with Jesus in his forever kingdom. So I wanna give you a couple of things. This is an encouragement. Again, Paul said, encourage each other with these words. Here's what we can be encouraged by when we are all with Jesus. You and I will be set free from the struggle of sin. I don't know about you, but I mess up. I drop the ball. There's times when I go to bed at night and I think, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Paul talks about it in Romans. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Romans chapter seven. If you've never read Romans chapter seven, after this video is over, grab your Bible, read Romans chapter seven, and you're gonna feel all the feels when you read that passage of scripture because it's Paul basically explaining the human condition. He says things like, man, I do the things I know I shouldn't be doing, but I can't help but do them. And everything that I wanna do and I know I should do to glorify God, I don't do that. There's something in me and it's called the flesh. One of the great realities of our being with Jesus forever in heaven when he returns is that we will be set free from that power in our lives, free from sin, free from struggle, free from those addictions that right now for some of you are just seem like they have a chokehold on your life, free from all that. There is no sin in the presence of Jesus. The other thing that we'll see is really the, the effects of sin. Maybe not personal sin in our lives, but the effects of sin. That's what I said when I sat by my, my, my grandmother's graveside and I gave just, just an encouragement for the people that attended her funeral. As I said, right now, I understand my grandmother is not in a hospital bed. My grandmother is not messing with all this pneumonia and everything that she was dealing with. Right now, she is free from the effects of sin, free from disease and suffering and COVID and abuse and everything that right now is 
so plaguing our world. When we are with Jesus forever in his kingdom, the sin in my life that so plagues me sometimes will be gone. The sin in your life will be gone. The sin's effects that we deal with, the disease, the suffering, the hurting will be gone. So again, Jesus will return. He ends this passage in verse 18 by saying, comfort one another with these words. So I hope today has been an encouragement for you. But here's the deal. I know even maybe some of you watching this right now. I love to be real when I teach God's word. Let's be honest. Some of the stuff we just talked about, you might be going, what did he just say? You can rewind it and watch it again. You can get a commentary and read these passages of scripture. But here's the reality. As Jesus followers, even sometimes this is hard to grasp. But for an unbelieving world, let's just be real. This is crazy. Like if you said, hey, watch this of one of the pastors in my church. He talks about when Jesus is coming back. Even that statement, they're like, what? Jesus coming back? Yeah, right, Scott. Look at the world around us. You're telling me that a God is going to come and make it all right and redeem what's broken and, and everything that is, is wrong is going to be made right? Where, where is this God you speak of, Scott? Because I don't see him in 2020. I don't see him in my life. Give me a break. I've encountered people like that in my own life, in my own family. Maybe you have too. I love, just as we close, Peter, in one of his epistles, in 2 Peter, he actually addresses this very issue. This is not a new problem. This is something we see in the New Testament. Here's what he says in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says, know this first of all, that in the last days, that's what we're talking about here, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lust. That means their own desires, what they want to do. And saying, here it is, you've heard this, and here it is in the scriptures. Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Translation, nothing looks like it's happening what you said it's going to happen according to the Bible, Peter, Christian. So where is all this stuff that you talk about? Here's what it says in verse 9. This is where we need to land today and be encouraged no matter how you feel today, if you're a follower of Jesus, press into these words. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, for the all should come to repentance. Here's what Peter would say, and I would say as an encouragement to you, because Paul said to encourage each other with the second coming of Jesus. God is not slow or slack concerning his promise. If God promised it, he's a promise maker and a promise keeper. He is faithful. There is never a time where he says, oops, or uh-oh, or I made a mistake. God will do what he said he will do. And then he says, the Lord is not slow concerning his promise, but is patient towards you. So here, this is, this is God waiting. What's he waiting for? It says that he is waiting for all that would come to him, to come to the knowledge of him and to repent and become followers of Jesus. He is not slow or slack concerning that promise. In love, in this passage, Peter reminds us, the days seem long, 2020 was a train wreck. It's weary world out there. I love in O Holy Night when it says that when Jesus came, the weary world rejoices. What a beautiful picture of what we have seen this year. The weary world rejoicing over the reality of his coming. Not only his first coming, but his second coming. So just like Peter wrote to those people so long ago, we are living in this day of God's patient mercy, waiting, understanding the reality, the fact 
the thing that we can be confident in that he will return. Theologians have called what is probably my favorite theological concept. They call it the already and the not yet. You say, what does that mean? The already in the sense that when Jesus came, he established his kingdom here on this earth, right? You and I are followers of Jesus because the baby grew up, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again from the grave, sent his Holy Spirit to empower believers and spread the church, and and the church began, and the kingdom began, and the, the kingdom in some senses has already come. But the fullness of the kingdom is not yet. So we're in this weird in-between time that theologians have called the already and the not yet. We are looking towards the day when Jesus returns to make everything wrong right and to bring back his kingdom where he will rule and reign in perfect harmony forever. So let us today, as the people of God, be encouraged. Wherever you're watching this today, Jesus is coming back. And he is coming back to do exactly what he said he will do, which is establish his rule and reign on this earth forever. So I hope you're encouraged by that today. And here's the deal. I don't know who you are watching this right now, but every time we look at God's word together, we have an opportunity to respond. I'm looking at a camera with a couple guys in the room, so I don't know who is watching this. I don't pretend to know all that you think about God. But here's what I know the Bible just said. He is not willing that any should perish. The Bible says that God loves you. Whether you feel lovable or not, the Bible says that God loves you. See, maybe you don't know a lot about the Bible or maybe you know a whole lot, but the Bible says very clearly, it's a story of Jesus. And there's bad news to the story that leads to some really good news of the story. The bad news is the Bible says that we are all messed up. We all fall short of the glory of God, it says in Romans chapter three, verse 23. What does that mean? That means on your best day, you still fall short of God's standard. And that's a real bummer place to be as we end 2020. But the Bible says Jesus looked at our state and didn't leave us where we were. The Bible says that he, and what we celebrated at Christmas, he took on flesh. He became a baby in a manger, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And he lived a perfect life as a human man. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your and my sin. And he rose again three days later to prove that that penalty had been paid for. So you're saying, how do I pay for the sin that I supposedly carry? I feel that, but how do I pay for it? Jesus says it's already been paid for on the cross. And it's been proven by the resurrection. So what's your response? Your response, here's this. This is how easy it is. Your response is to understand that good news and to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's new language for you, but a relationship with Jesus is a friendship. Literally, you, because of the cross, because that wall has been taken away, you and I can have a relationship with Jesus. And the Bible tells us how we start that relationship. It says in Romans chapter 10, he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So wherever you are and whoever you are, You can cry out to God, whether you're sitting in a living room with your whole family, whether you're watching this on a lunch break at work, wherever you might be today, on a tablet, on a phone, on YouTube, wherever you might be today, God might be speaking to you to say, hey, come to me. I've done everything that needed to be done to begin a relationship with you. You just have to say yes. You just have to call on the name of the Lord and the Bible promises you will be saved. And here's the deal. We were never meant to live this Christian life alone. So right now, if you're like, man, I think I want that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
We would love to help you and walk with you. We have some tools and some people that we would love to get around you as you begin this new friendship with God. So we've set up a way for you to let us know. If you're watching this right now and you, you would say, man, I, I want to become a Jesus follower, take out your smartphone and text Jesus follower to 94090. That's just the way during COVID that we've had people just respond and let us know, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to learn more about a relationship with Jesus as I begin walking with him. Let us know by texting Jesus follower to 94090. We would love to walk with you. We would love to get you some resources and help you. You can't do life alone as a Christian in this world that we live in. So let us help you.